0: They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced fourth and 26, stinks in and trash, AI's crossover, throwing batteries at JD Drew, Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz, the Legion of Doom, and thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend, it's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast right here on SoundCloud.com. What is up? What is up? Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. Johnny Mita, how you you doing, bro? How you feeling?
1: Uh, Just another day in paradise, Joe. Just another day in paradise. a kid. Looking forward to the show as always, man.
0: Yeah, man. We got a lot to get into. We are set for uh, Super Bowl 50. What's up?
1: I want to hear about your broadcast tonight. Give the listeners a little preview, man. All
0: right. Well, uh...
1: You know, let's let's give them a little Joe O'Donnell background because I don't think people know what type of professional you are. So I I think you need to let the listeners know that you're coming at an all-time level. So just give them a little history of, you know, what you do, because I think people want to know. Obviously, they know that I'm just a freeloading partner. (laughs) 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 So just give them a little history. Now, you know, maybe talk about tonight's you know, overtime
0: thriller, and uh, then we'll move on to the topic. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm a um, I'm a part time homeless uh, minor league radio guy with uh, no career path in sight. And uh <laughs> um this is year number this is this is year number eleven now in professional hockey for me. Full, you know, full time working for a team. None of this interning stuff. No part season work. Um, yeah, man. Eight years in the American Hockey League, three years in the ECHL. Lovely Des Moines, Iowa. Minnesota Wild farm team, the Iowa Wild, and unfortunately the Wild in dead last place. However, playing much better hockey the last few weeks post Christmas, post holiday break. Totally different team. Very watchable, fun to fun to be a part of. Uh, from that standpoint, the games have been competitive. Tonight, though, prime example. Leading three two late after a good third period comeback. And then, kind of like the Flyers the last couple nights, that late goal, this time as a power play goal, ties it. And then the Chicago Wolves stun the 3,000 plus in, a, in attendance tonight with an overtime goal, 41 seconds in.
1: Ah, the pesky Chicago. The ones.
0: dreaded Chicago. Hey, you saw a Wolves game? You saw a Wolves game? Yeah, No, I, no,
1: I know, man. They're always lighting up your schedule. Yeah. Hey, on, on a better night, so to speak, my friend. Let's get, on, let's get on the personal side of things. What did you do for your birthday? Did you do anything good? Oh, thanks, brother. Thanks, brother.
0: Uh, it was good times. I actually, yeah, spent it, I actually spent it in Rockford, Illinois, so um, not, the, <laughs> not not how I drew it up. But, uh, yeah, actually, we oh, got man. to town Thursday the night before my birthday, had dinner with some of our staff, went out and had a couple of beers in uh, lovely Rock Vegas, as we like to call it. So, yeah, it was good. And, actually, Friday night then uh, the boys won in, uh, in the shootout, so that was cool. Um, had a good Very game cool. to call on my birthday. It cost me fifty bucks though in the fine fund. See in the in the um dollars. yeah. So you um they put money on the board right. So like if a guy's playing against his former team or a guys back from the NHL, they put money on the board before the game, like jersey number, whatever, and fifty bucks or a hundred bucks. And if the team yeah. wins that night, that goes into the fund, like the fine fund at the end of the year, you know. That the guys can the guys use out. So, so if a guy's late for a boss or late for practice, they get fined. Well, sometimes there's money on the board for game winning goals and we wanted to shoot out. So before the game I went down, I wrote 50 bucks on the board from the radio guy. So well worth it. Good investment, yeah. you know? Be part of the team. Jeez.
1: Hey, listen, I don't want to get you in trouble with gambling there.
0: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about draftkings.com.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: No, I just donate I donated to the uh to the fund.
1: Donate You got it. All
0: right, all right. Brother. Let's get into it. Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Got- Joe Donald, John Mita here with you. You can follow us on Twitter at Be Love Podcast. It's at Be Love Podcast. We're going to preview Super Bowl fifty. It is uh just under two weeks away. We know it's the Panthers and the Broncos, so we'll break down the matchup. Couple of Eagles tight ends getting paid. New contracts for Zach Ertz and Brent we will get there we have a little Nova Nation update from Johnny Mita, and then we'll get into on the fly and spread the love, a couple of staples of the Brotherly Love podcast. All right, my friend, uh, Super Bowl 50 is Sunday, February 7th, Panthers and Broncos from Santa Clara, California, and uh, I-, I owe you an apology. You were right about those Carolina Panthers. They hammered the Cardinals 49-15, forcing seven, count them, seven Arizona turnovers, so... Uh, you were right. I was wrong. You're smart. I'm not. You're good looking. I'm not. The old Happy Gilmore uh, line where he's exactly. apologizing to Chubb. So you might as well start, my friend. What'd you see from your Panthers?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just another dominant performance by the Carolina Panthers. You know, it's amazing to think that, you know, they hang 49 on Arizona the week before they hang, what, 31 points or something on Seattle? Yeah, in the first
0: half. You're talking. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And you're talking to the best you know, these are it's not like these are mediocre defense. No. These are top ten defenses. For sure. It's not top top five yeah. defense. And they end up hanging like seventy eight points between the two games. So I know Denver has the best defense. Probably Denver's defense is probably number one. Carolina's probably two, but you could probably make a case that Carolina's defense is the best defense in the league. But it's just amazing. The Cam Noon and that offense with those weapons are able to hang that many points and it, it just the way they play it's I love watching them play because it just seems like they're a team. It's not a bunch of individuals worried about uh, you know, statistics and everything else. It's it's just it's all about the team. All right.
0: Let me stop you right there because that is the one thing yeah. I will call BS on with this team. All right. Yeah. Because yeah. of the showmanship, because of the celebrations, because of the showboating and the social media nonsense. And let me just ask you this, Johnny Meaner. All right. Let me ask you this. They're bringing the baseball bat out on the field. I mean, give me a break. So before they played the Giants that day, I just got to ask you this. Are you. Are you okay with the celebrations? With the they're up three touchdowns, four touchdowns in the NFC Championship game. They get a first down, and there's Cam with the big smile, dabbing and first down sign. Are you okay with that? If they're a team, they're fun to watch. I get it. Are you okay with that?
1: Sometimes I think maybe the celebrations go a little overboard, but I love the fact that they have fun and they play hard for one another. All right, and I and I and if I think. If you take that characteristic away from them, I just feel like they wouldn't be the same type of team.
0: Right. I
1: just think that's just part of their persona. Like they just like listen. And the problem line is, this comes celebration. If you stop them, if you embarrass them, if you beat up on them, do you think they're really, really posing for photographs on the sideline? Yeah. No. So you gotta take it to them. That's the bottom line. You take. You wanna shut them up then take it to him, slam him to the turf, rough him up. That's how you get rid of that. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I just think I like the sportsmanship. I'm all about, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And I do get, like, sometimes it gets a little ridiculous. But he just looks like a kid in the candy store. And I think if you took that away from his game, I don't think he'd be the same player. If you told him he couldn't act the way that he wants to act, I think he'd be different. And I, and actually, I think it would it would be detrimental to, to him and to the league. Because right now, man, this guy is hot. Like, he is playing out of his mind. And if you look at his weapons on that team, Grant, they have a, a really good offensive line. They have a good running back to Johnson Stewart. They have a first-class tight end, Greg Olson. But if you look at that receiving core, I'm talking about Ted Ginn Jr.,
0: Devin Funches,
1: Devin Funches, Corey slash Philly Brown. You know, they lost Kelvin Benjamin to a torn ACL in the first preseason game. I mean, this is amazing offensively what they're doing right now.
0: Yeah. So, he's playing out of his mind. Yeah. You mentioned the great offensive line protection. And look, if they need a yard or two. He just keeps the football. Cam Newton just keeps the football and nobody can stop him. If they get to the goal line, it's seven points because he's going over the pile. I mean, that much is like clockwork. So, from that standpoint, um, and and look, you you talk about their wide receiving core. They're getting great production from them. Better than I expected. Greg Olsen's having an outstanding year from the tight end position. Defensively, there's no...
1: Ted looks like like a pro bowler. He went to Arizona for a year. He beat the Panthers. Last year, he was a pedestrian wide receiver. Yep. This year he's got like eight touchdown catches over a thousand yards. Let's look.
0: Uh, I mean, they're but Johnny made it, Their team as a whole was pedestrian last year. I mean, they won that terrible division at what seven and nine.
1: Oh, he's bringing up a great point. Think about how the Eagles yeah. slammed them. With yeah,
0: sixty weeks ago. Okay, let's go back. Ball. Let's go back. What was it? Roughly sixty weeks ago, the Eagles buried them. Cam Newton was hobbled. He was turning the ball over. He was gimpy on every snap. He was grimacing in pain. They look like a train wreck. Yeah. And now they look like they're unstoppable.
1: They look like world beaters, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think they're on a... I mean, I I just think they're on a mission. You go to the other
1: game, Joe, let's talk about the other game. What were your thoughts on the Brady-Manning matchup? Probably the last time that we'll see it as NFL fans. Yeah, I... think probably...
0: I think that's it. I, I think this is it for you calling the sheriff. I think it's it for Peyton. Win, win or lose, I think he's got to be done. I mean, to go back to the grind again after this, to me, seems like a big hurdle to climb. Um, you know, the Broncos defense came up absolutely huge, man. They felt like they were on the field the entire second half. And they went at 20-18 to 18 at home over the Pats. Crowd was into the game. Manning managed the game through a couple of uh, first-half touchdown passes to... Uh, Old, reliable Owen Daniels, longtime Texans tight end, a a guy that's kind of bounced around now, a bit of a journeyman. Uh, It it wasn't the Demarius Thomas show. It wasn't the Emmanuel Sanders show. C.J. Anderson had an okay game. Ronnie Hillman didn't do squat. I mean, that defense won that football game. So I think it's huge for them, Johnny Mita. To have this little bit, you know, the bye week, the week before the Super Bowl. Because I don't know that if on, you know, this Sunday, they could go out there and play 70-plus snaps against the Panthers and have a prayer. I think this extra week off is huge. Gives Wade Phillips, their D coordinator, a chance to prepare. Maybe show Cam something he hasn't seen before, if that's possible. It rests them up a little bit. Gives them a chance to reset. And they get ready for Super Bowl 50. Uh, But a great game. uh, A classic Brady-Manning game. You just kept thinking Brady was going to find a way at the end. And... And, God damn it, he almost did. Uh, comes down to wow. a two-point conversion. And and really, wow. when Goskowski misses that kick in the first quarter, whatever it was, kind of part of me was like, man, I wonder if that's going to come back in the play because you know with those two teams, it's always going to be tight.
1: Um, no doubt. I mean, you bring up some great points, Joe. Wade Phillips, you know, hats off to Wade Phillips. Never a good head coach. But as far as defensive coordinator goes, he's got to be in the top five. Yep. I mean, the guy always gets his defenses. You know, if he was in Houston when he was coaching for, you know, taking over Dallas to see, so to speak, Denver. I mean, they disrupted Brady like, like nobody's ever gotten him like that. Did day. did you?
0: I heard today. I think it was today or yesterday. He was hit more times in that game than any quarterback in the NFL this season.
1: I, I'm telling you, I think he was like. Think 18 about that. Times he was like hit eighteen times, like sacked six times, hurried fourteen times. I mean, he was getting the living snot beat out of him. Yeah. The fact that he hung in there. Yeah, give him credit. And, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Kurt is doing. He just, the entire game, he looked uncomfortable. But like you said, I was at, you know, one of our favorite bars locally, in Garrett Hill I was watching the game at Flippin' Dailies, and, and Brady gets stopped on that drive, on that fourth down drive, and then I hear some guys say it's over, even though they have three timeouts left in the two-minute warning. And I'm like, there's just no way that this game is over. Yeah. There's just no way. I've seen it before. You know, he throws that down the scene pass to Gronkowski. What a beast that guy is. Yeah. And and then they he throws that one ball in the back of the end zone. I'm like, here we go again. This is it. But it was just a great AFC game. I I thought the NFC Championship was going to be a similar game as like just just being a tight score, but Carolina just dominated and. uh, you know, the Super Bowl coming up, man, It's interesting. I, I agree with you 100%. I think this is Peyton Manning. I kind of said it at the beginning you know, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. I thought the sheriff was going to get there, even though I predicted the Patriots last week. You know, I thought this was his last two rounds. They had the home field advantage, great defense. He just kind of, you know, Peyton Manning had to be a game manager. You know, He's not making those point those just throws that you've seen from him in the past. He has totally become a game manager. Don't turn the ball over. Try to rely on the running game. You know, play play the role of, you know, this who has better field position. And I just think that, that that's from here on out. But the one thing, and let's get the predictions here. Um I just I don't see Denver, man. I gotta take Carolina in this game. I just feel like the Carolina Panthers at all costs, they're gonna put up at least twenty four points on that defense. You know, they put up Huge numbers against two really solid defenses. They're basically averaging 35 points a game in the playoffs. And I know Denver has a solid defense, but I feel like Carolina will find a way to put up at least 24 points. And with Carolina's defense at the level they're playing at, and I know Thomas Davis, they suffered a couple injuries. Thomas Davis, the great inside inside linebacker for the Panthers. Also Roman Harper, the starting strong safety for that team. They could be questionable going into this game. I just I just think it's Carolina's time to shine. I think Cam's going to get it done. And uh, as, as much as it would be great to send Payne out on the swan song, you know, been to four Super Bowls, win two, I, I just don't see it, man. I think Carolina's going to win this game, and I, I think they might win it comfortably.
0: Denver has to establish a running game to be in this thing. I think C.J. Anderson's got to be the MVP of the Super Bowl if they're going to have any prayer. Um well, Cardinals back David Johnson had some holes. He exploited them in the NFC Championship game. Now, granted, you could say the Panthers are you know, playing back a little bit defensively because they don't want to get beat down the field when they had that big lead. But and, and, and look, the Broncos talk about their wide receiving core. They can put some pressure on Josh Norman and the rest of that Panthers secondary. But is Manning going to have the time to get them the ball, some of those deep plays? So I'm kind of with you here, Johnny Mita. Broncos' defense is playing great football, but the Panthers are just rolling right now. Um... I'd be inclined to go with that storybook ending. You know, Manning rides off into the sunset a la John Elway. But really, I think the Panthers are playing the best football right now. Uh, I'm, You know, I'm tired of hating on them. I won't be rooting for them, but I'm tired of hating on them. Uh, their defense is good enough to keep the Broncos from ru- running away with the game at any point. I really believe that. I don't think I don't think you'll see the Broncos come out and establish a two or three touchdown lead, and then, you know, the Panthers just can't come from behind. I, I it's, Carolina's D is too good. You know, if this was a case of an all-world offense against an all-world defense like the Broncos and Seahawks a couple years back in the Super Bowl, I might say otherwise, but Carolina's D is legit. They'll keep themselves in this game even if the offense takes a while to get going. I'll take the Carolina Panthers to win the Super Bowl, topping the Broncos 34-24. Your Super Bowl MVP will be Ted Ginn Jr. He'll finish with 200 total yards, receiving, running, and returning, and at least one score.
1: Wow. Love it. You broke it down. Hardcore. I like it. For sure. All
0: right, brother. Let's jump.
1: My, my, my prediction would be, yeah, I kind of see this Carolina 31-13. I really think that Carolina's team makes a statement, and Cam just keeps this thing rolling. All
0: right, brother. Let's take a time out on the Brotherly Love Podcast here on SoundCloud.com. We are back after this with a little... Villanova, Nova Nation update on the fly and spread the love here on SoundCloud.com. You're listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast, exclusively on SoundCloud.com. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. Joe Donald, John Mita back here with you. Segment number two. Just previewed Super Bowl 50 for you. And it's time now to... Well, we'll save the Nova Nation for a moment or two from now. Let's let's jump into the Eagles news, my friend. A couple of tight ends right. getting paid. Brent Selick and Zach Ertz both signed contract extensions. Uh, extension, Selleck reworking his deal, kind of restructuring it. Uh, pretty cap-friendly deal, but I was surprised, to be honest. At, um, not disappointed, but just surprised, especially a day after Ertz signs for five years and $42 million. The Eagles today announced three years, $13 million for Selick, the 31-year-old. Ertz this year, 75 catches, 800-plus yards, just two touchdowns. Um, I'd like to see him get in the end zone more for myself personally, of course. Uh, I just think that he's got that ability. Brent Selick, over 4,700 career yards, all with the birds. It looks like he'll be a lifetime eagle. Your thoughts on the signings, Johnny Mita?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely a big fan of this signing due to the fact that you're, you know, you're locking up a young talent before, you know, let's say if they didn't make this move right right now, so to speak, you could be looking at a higher price tag in the future. So five years, 42, and it kind of puts them in the top echelons of tight ends. I thought he had a great season, seventy-five receptions. You know, you pointed to it, eight hundred fifty plus yards and two touchdowns. Sure, he needs to find the end zone more, and I think they need to do a better job uh, of making him more of a red zone threat. Um, you know, I was a fan of his. It seems like he has great work ethic. Uh, this off season, I kind of mentioned on a podcast probably months ago. Uh, you know, during training camp, uh, he spent some time with the great Tony Gonzalez, so. This guy is definitely committed to working to his craft, and I, I like the fact that you know at the end of his press conference, he kind of gave a big heads up to the fans of Philadelphia. Saying, there's nothing that he liked more to bring a Super Bowl trophy to the fans." And you know, when you hear that as a fan, you, you gotta love love that. You gotta respect that. Um, so I, I think he's got nothing but you know more of an upside. I thought it was a good deal for the Eagles. You know, like you said before, you know, Brent like, reworking his deal. This guy has been a great tight end for this franchise. You know, he's not the flashiest guy. He doesn't make, you know, the phenomenal catches. But the guy overall, he is just one of the most solid tight ends. You know, the, he's just he's just so consistent. You know, he can do everything. He can block. He can catch the ball. And he's just been a great eagle. So it's nice to see that they were able to find a way to rework his deal, make it a little more cap-friendly so we can address some other other needs in the offseason. So I do like the fact that i will probably end his you know, career with the Eagles. There's also chatter and talk on this end, Joe, that you probably don't know about. But right now, the Eagles are in progress talks with Wayne Johnson, kind of lock- locking him up more long-term, and also the great Fletcher Cox on the defensive line. So right now, you could probably, I would say, within the next two weeks, expect those deals to be made and, uh, which is good. Which is, you draft these young players, they produce for you. It's time to lock them up and reward them for their effort and, uh, you know, keep this thing rolling. Try to build and build this team to a championship level again, or at least not, maybe not a championship level, but let's, let's be a little more competitive. So I do like all the moves, all in all. Yeah, not, I
0: think not, Vinnie not, Curry's but. close to getting done too, possibly as well. Read that. So, yeah.
1: That's, it's, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, Funny you mention that. I think that's great. Love to keep back in this organization because I feel like his potential as a 4-3 defensive end, not a 3-4 outside linebacker. I think his potential has been totally, uh, with the word I'm looking for, untapped to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he could be an absolute monster. if You know the all adage, the old cliche term, if we put him in the right position. Yeah. If he gets put in the right position, I think he, he, he I honest to God, I really do believe I think the kid might have Pro Bowl talent.
0: Yeah, he's so gotta put his hand in the ground pass. and get after the passer.
1: Exactly.
0: I'm trying to First think course. of who the birds had a couple of years back that was basically just a pass rusher, um, from that standpoint. And it's name's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm just trying to think back a couple Chris of years. Clemens? Who?
1: Chris Clemens, maybe. No, yeah.
0: I, Chris Clemens stinks. Hate that guy. What a loser. Was he defensive end? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of a guy they had recently. It was basically, you knew all he was good for was third down, you know, getting after the QB, unfortunately. But I think Vinny Curry's that type of mold, but we just haven't seen it yet because, you know, they've had him playing out of position, really. The question will be Connor Barwin, I guess, and some of the stuff I read today, too, is whether or not Barwin fits now if you go 4-3. But I hope to, to God they figure that out. And yeah, uh, and I mean, uses I, athleticism I, to you know to their advantages.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I think he falls in the rotation. I think there's certain down, you know, when you're looking at second down and long, third down long, you know, you put him at the other defensive end spot, you know, as opposed to an outside linebacker. Because as a three-four outside linebacker, one of your duties is to rush the quarterback. Yep. So I don't think you should take that phase away from his game so to speak. I think you need to figure out a way. And Jim Schwartz, you know, he's a talented defensive coordinator. I think he's going to find a way to, to mold these different pieces and, and make things work for this football team and this defense. So, yeah, and, we, and that's the thing. Uh, we, we've been talking about it, and you know, I've stressed it all along. I believe that this team is best suited for the fourth race. Yep, Their personnel fits the fourth three. So, you know, by locking up a guy like Jimmy Curry can make Fletcher Cox. Now, You know, your three gap, D tackle. I I just think things will be better, a whole lot better. You'll get more production out of these guys for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think we're getting a glimpse of Poopy Peterson's offense too with the locking up of both Selleck and Ertz because a lot of times in the West Coast offense, you need a couple of tight ends, dependable tight ends, not only from a depth perspective, but they're going to be on the field at the same time, uh, which I don't know we saw a whole lot of in Chip Kelly's system. Those, you know, they were certainly on the field a bunch together, but, you know, maybe you'll see them both get involved offensively um as well as in the blocking game as well. So we'll see how it all yeah. pans out. But uh nice to keep some guys in the nest, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and you still have Trey Burn, who's uh you know been a sol- solid special team for this team and he's shown the talent to get down the field and catch some passes. Yep. So I think with those three guys in the phone, I think that's a position that you don't have to worry about this off season. Moving forward, you know, let's address some other needs.
0: All right, Nova Nation, my friend, Villanova basketball. Give us your update, Johnny. Made a seventeen and three for the Cats. Heartbreak Hotel, though, over the weekend on Sunday morning, overtime loss uh, to those pesky Providence clowns.
1: Yeah, so so I was at the game. This game got moved due to the snow, the massive blizzard storm in Philadelphia this weekend. It got moved to Sunday at one o'clock. I was able to you know go down to the Wells Fargo Center and check this game out. And it was just, it was just a game. First of all, the crowd just wasn't the same. Um, you know, the band, the cheerleaders, the bus company that brings those, you know, those folks down was unable to get around in the snow. So basically, Villanova was kind of losing that school spirit, not having, you know, another couple thousand people to root for the team. So that kind of took an edge off the game. All in all, I knew this game would be a tight, a tight, a tight just biggie you know, it's kind of those knockout drag out. You know, no team pulled away. It was very close throughout halftime. And but it's just Nova, they struggled shooting the ball once again. But there was this is a game that they lost. They kinda gave this one away. And they gave it away for a couple reasons. It was kinda it was just mysterious. The last three minutes of this game were just very puzzling. Uh, from the fans perspective and also from a coaching perspective, so just to give you a tidbit, the game's fairly close, going down the stretch. Um, they was down four points. They hit a bucket with basically 27 seconds on the game clock. That's right, 27 seconds. In college, the shot clock, 35 seconds. So when you're down two, if you can't get a steal within the first three to four seconds of putting pressure on the team when they end down it, you have to foul right away. Well, Nova didn't foul. Four passes go down the court, tic tac -tac toe style. They don't foul, and they basically wait 10 seconds. It was just so puzzling. And their inbound play, I love Jay Wright. I love the way he coaches. But their inbound plays, and I've been harping on this point for years, it drives me absolutely crazy. Nobody moves around. They don't stack it up. Nobody sets screens for one another. It's like, all right, I need to beat my man and try to get open. But the worst part about it is nobody moves towards the ball. It seems like everybody's heading in the opposite direction. And then the last down route is, okay, we'll take our center, he's going to post it up, and then we'll throw a lava. up. Well, then they do that. Turnover is caused. And then basically, you know, Providence did a good job. They, they did a great job. One of their forwards, it was incredible. In overtime, this game went to overtime, Ryan Archie Diacono, no, Villanova was down three. You know, under 20 seconds, they they drew up a play. Ryan Archdiakano, you know, ice water in his thing, drills a three with seven seconds to go. Then the great Providence point guard Chris Dunn comes down. He takes a three at the buzzer. That misses. They go into overtime. But in the overtime, kind of Providence, kind of dominated the overtime session. They went five for six on field goal attempts. And um, and this basically, this was crazy because Villanova this. Snapped a nine-game winning streak for the Cats. It also snapped a 22 consecutive Big East game-winning streak. So that was just their last loss. You know, Bill is—they're going to see better days. They're 17 and three. We can't push the panic button here. And their losses, they're all good losses. And you—and you hate that term—is it really? What is a good loss? Well, you know, they left, they lost to top-ranked Oklahoma. They lost to a really pesky, good Virginia squad, and now they lost to Providence, and these are all three teams that were in the top 15, so it wasn't that detrimental of a loss, but I just feel like, in the end, I don't know if it was Jay Wright, it was his coaching, that he didn't tell his guys to foul right away, you know, after they made it a two-point game with 27, or they just laughed, but it was a lack of lackadaisical effort, they didn't play their best ball, but... You know, they, and they can write the ship this weekend. They play St. John's, who's not that very good this this Sunday at 12 o'clock, and they should be able to write the ship there.
0: Chris Mullen the will be thing. in the house.
1: Yeah, exactly. The other thing I'm going to talk about is just a quick fixer update. Huh. Providence has a phenomenal point guard. His name's Chris Dunn. This kid is amazing. He's six four. He's guaranteed to be a top five NBA lottery draft pick. He's 220 pounds. People say they remind him of John Wall. The guy does everything. In the game, he has 13 points, seven rebounds, and 14 assists. He would be the perfect distributor, the perfect piece for the Sixers moving forward. We all know that they have decent front court players. They need to get a backboard. And Chris Dunn, if you can't get Ben Simmons LSU, if the Sixers don't end up with the number one pick, this is a guy that they need to consider if they're at the two and three spot. Because I think he could be a great facilitator for this team moving forward and kind of bring Sixers back to a relevant level.
0: Well said, brother. Well said. You want to go on the fly or spread the love?
1: Whatever you want to do, buddy. You pick. You pick.
0: All right, on the fly. It's your birthday. You ready? All
1: right, on the fly. Yep, I'm ready.
0: In light of the Blake Griffin injury, breaking his hand, punching a member of the Clippers equipment staff, which turns out it's actually a friend of his, allegedly. I don't know what kind of friend you, you pop in the mouth yeah. and break your hand. But I digress. In light of the injury to Blake Griffin of the Clippers, what's the dumbest sports injury you've ever heard?
1: Wow. You know, that is a phenomenal question. I think—that's <laughs> hilarious, dude. I love it. <laughs> I think the dumbest one that I've ever seen, and I know you're going to be able to remember this, Gus for rot oh, for the Washington Redskins. Yes. And I don't know if this was a playoff game, but like he scrambles into the end zone and then he basically headbutts, you know, the backstop, like where the stands Yeah, are. the padded wall his back there. Padded wall. And I don't know if he broke his neck, but he severely injured his neck. Yeah, a concussion. Yeah, and a concussion. I mean, I think he did damage to his neck. That was, by. fuck it was either that or the... Uh, the other one that comes to mind is the Bill Gramatica kicked a winning field goal for the Arizona Cardinals. He jumps up and celebrates, gives that big high-five, you know, that, you know, hard shot. Type yeah, the fist
0: pump in the and air. Yeah. Up.
1: Yeah, fist pump, and he blows his ACL. Yeah. So, <laughs> two were pretty funny. Good ones,
0: good ones. If, hey, if you had asked me, I would have gone Jeff Kent washing his truck and breaking his wrist or his hand, whatever it was. Turns out he was in a... Motorcycle accident, but don't you remember? He's like, "Oh, I was I was just washing my truck." Yeah. And they're like, "Uh, well, that doesn't sound right." Exactly.
1: Wax on, wax it off, is. Jeff Kent. <laughs> it is funny. It is pretty funny. Some of these injuries, that, like these stories that come out later, it's it's pretty pretty comical.
0: Yeah, brother, ready for yours?
1: All right. all right, here's one on the fly. In the 2016 NFL draft. The Philadelphia Eagles select number thirteen.
0: two. <laughs> Player or position?
1: Anything. Give me anything.
0: Well, unfortunately, I think they're gonna they're gonna take it back to. Um... I want to say 1999 because they took McNabb, but I think they're going to take it back old school here, and I think they're going to draft an offensive lineman. I, I don't see any way you can't do that. If, if Lane Johnson's going to make the move to be your new left tackle at some point, replace Jason Peters, you've got to replace Lane Johnson, or you've got to upgrade the, the guard position. I mean, they have so many question marks at the offensive line. You're not going to run any offense without an offensive line. Now, I know. I hate the receiving core outside of Jordan Matthews. I've beaten this horse to death. And, it, boy, it'd be nice to have a second-round pick this year. Thanks, Chip. But they've got to find a way to protect, whether it's Sam Bradford or some rookie quarterback or some free agent loser like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Whoever it is, they got to protect them. So, first-round pick, unfortunately, it's not going to be sexy Eagles fans. It's got to be on the offensive line.
1: Yeah, man. I agree with you 100%. Unless... They take a flyer on that kid from North Dakota State that everybody's been talking about. Who? (laughs) Carson DeWentz. Oh, yeah. Get your YouTube high. Oh, yeah. The North Dakota State Jackrabbit quarterback. Mr. FCS special. 6'5. He's got great measurables, but, uh, you know, can he play in the NFL? He played against
0: uh, the Little Sisters of the Poor the last four years. So, no, he can't play in the NFL.
1: Yeah, well, some people say, hey, man, there's been other successful quarterbacks, but I understand. All right.
0: Here we go. Time to spread the love, Johnny Mita.
1: All right. I'm going to start. Hey, you start.
0: I'm going to spread the love to Eagles linebacker Connor Barwin for his outstanding work in the Philadelphia community since signing with the Eagles in 2013. If you haven't looked it up, you should look it up. I think I mentioned it on this podcast a time or two. Barwin's nonprofit organization the Make the World Better Foundation. He was nominated as the Eagles selection. All 32 teams get a nomination for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Now, he wasn't a finalist, which I was disappointed in, but his work in the local Philadelphia community, uh, building parks in the inner cities, is what got him nominated in the first place. So I'm going to read a snippet here. This is is from uh, bleedinggreennation.com. I believe they stole it right from the Eagles' site. In 2014 and 2015, Connor Barwin's foundation, the Make the World Better Foundation, raised $700,000 for the renovation of Ralph Brooks Park, which opened after training camp this season and was featured in NFL Films Presents: The Street Eagle. Make the World Better is now focusing on the Smith Playground in South Philadelphia, which will include a renovated recreational center, a new football field, and two new baseball fields. His is uh, This speaking of Barwin is also actively involved in the Eagles Youth Partnership, a charity that serves over 50,000 low-income children in the greater Philadelphia region every year with a focus on vital health and education programming. So, Connor Barwin, for all your great work, not only on the field, but in the streets of Philadelphia, thank you for the work you do, spreading the love to you, my man. Keep it up. You are a great ambassador for the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow.
1: Totally well said, man. Thanks, man, Connor Barwin. That's well done. it's funny you speak of all the man of the year and my spread of love has to do with that as well Really? I gotta give it up to Thomas Davis the linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. this guy has been an all pro um, his entire career what stands out about Thomas Davis is the fact that he has had three ACL injuries and one day and able to play football to me itself, that's amazing. That shows great perseverance, great resiliency, the fact that he can come back from those injuries. Now, recently, he was in that, when they played Arizona Cardinals, he left with a broken arm injury. He just had surgery. He is still contemplating the fact that he is going to play in the Super Bowl with a broken arm after two weeks after surgery. He is a former Walter Payne Man of the Year. He was the one that won it last year. So, big kudos to him, man. Um, I hope he gets the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl because this guy has worked his entire career, his tail off, to be in that type of spotlight, that type of moment. And I wish him nothing but the best, the speedy recovery. And I love the way he plays football. And I just love his heart. I mean, it's, it's great to see. Some people would have given up. I mean, when you think about three ATLs, you're talking about devastating knee injuries, you're talking about year long recovery. This guy's had three in one year. I mean, three, three in his entire career in the same knee and is still able to play football. That, that's pretty impressive. So, spread the love to Thomas Davis, and uh, that's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, good stuff, Johnny Mita. Odd that we both kind of picked that Walter Payton Man of the Year theme, but uh, good <laughs> yeah. stuff, good stuff. And, and, you know, speaking of guys that want to make their Super Bowl debut, but injury might keep him from it. Jared Allen missed that championship game for the Panthers. I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit to get out there and give the Panthers an extra pass rusher in Super Bowl 50 on Sunday, February 7th.
1: Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, I think both these guys, you know, they might wrap Davis up with one of those club cast deals.
0: Get him T.O.'s hyperbaric chamber, man.
1: Exactly right, man. If he comes back from a broken arm in two weeks, and especially at that position, playing linebacker, I mean, you need your arms. That is the one position being able to throw away blockers, being you know, into the flex balls. I mean, it—that would be—that'd be unbelievable. You
0: think Pate Manning will share ball. any of his HGH juice with him? Make him uh, make him uh, heal quicker, or no? No, too soon. Uh, too soon.
1: Uh, too soon. Yeah,
0: probably next year. <laughs> All right, brother get on out of here. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. No
1: doubt,
0: no doubt. SoundCloud.com, keep it real. Appreciate everybody's support. In case we don't catch you before the Super Bowl, it's been a great NFL season. Enjoy Super Bowl 50. If we catch you next week, we catch you next week. Johnny Meade, you're the man.
1: You got it, buddy. Appreciate the hard work. You always put in each and every week, man. You're
0: the best. Follow us on Twitter at Beloved Podcast. It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.
1: And not to mention, we're also going to be having a Facebook page. Oh, yeah. We're creating it as we Facebook so in the house. Yeah, you got to get to that next level social media, and everybody is so accessible. So if you want to head us up on Facebook, page, we'll give you the details next week.
0: Love it, love it. For Johnny Mead, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Sign off. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the brotherly love podcast on soundcloud.com.